In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Welcome in to the Retirement Pathfinder. This podcast helps you with retirement planning, financial planning conversations. And today we have another good one for you in store. So we're glad that you tuned in today. Today we're talking about learning through uncommon sense. Some, some really some common sense strategies that we just don't follow for a lot of reasons. And Barbara and Phil are going to help us understand why that is and why a lot of this common sense becomes a bit uncommon. So let me welcome in Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. They are retirement income planning specialists at Pathfinder Wealth Management. Good to talk to you both again. How are you? Hey, Ben. We're doing well. Yeah, it's a beautiful day out again today. The sun's been out here for the last few weeks and uh, we need some rain though. It's been really dry. The farmer's crops are, are starting to wilt. Yeah, that part is true. And yeah. guess what? We're just about open. Our economy yes. is just about open here in Rockford. Yes. I saw that. I saw that they're making announcements all across the country. Now New York opened up. California said they're opening yep. back up. So it's good to see that all good these stuff. things are coming back together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that kind of t- that kind of leads us to one thing I want to get into before we talk about um, our, our main topic today. And that's just the, the state of the economy in general. Because you know, with things opening back up, that's great news. There's talk about a variant. There's, you know, gas prices are rising, inflation. There's so many different factors now that are kind of occurring all at once. So can you kind of give us an update on, on what you're seeing and what's your perspective and what you're talking about with your clients? Yeah, you know, that's a good point too, uh, Ben. But I just want to briefly let our listeners and more importantly, clients that just became clients of Pathfinder within this last year, that there's nothing normal about this recovery. Because we usually have normal economic downturns called recessions, and then the recoveries, and then the ebb and flow of that is the uh, typical business cycle. But when the government borrows money from the Fed, or basically borrows money from future taxpayers, it gives that money directly to people. So of course, spending goes up, but it's not real and it's not growth. So if we just look at some data, and this is data from Brian Westbury, the chief economist with First Trust over this last year in a couple of areas with jobs and uh, retail. The U.S. is still about seven and a half million jobs short of where it was in February of 2020. Mm. So some of those businesses will never reopen. And uh, retail sales, which is interesting, it's uh, typical retail sales growth is about three and a half percent per year. It's been up 10 percent for the last two years in a row. So the only way that's possible is by having the government borrow, print and distribute money for people to spend today. So if we look at things, uh, th- this is an interesting story from uh, um, Brian, and he, made, and he made this reference, and this was to uh, Ford Motor Company. In 1914, Henry Ford decided to pay his workers $5 a day to prevent turnover, but also so that his employees could buy the cars that they were making. Well, here we are in 2021, and the government is paying people not to work so they can buy things they didn't produce. So no wonder there are shortages. But the recovery is not normal, so we can't compare this recovery like you're hearing on the news as if it were apples to apples. And the other thing we have to remember is the economy is not fully reopened yet. So what does all of this mean? All our investors are reaping the benefits from the stock market increases because of the government stimulus, but it's not real. No, no, it can't go on for uh, indefinitely. I mean, it's, it's just artificially stimulated at this point. Yeah, I had a mm. new client come in, so I, I had to explain some of that to him the other day. So, <laughs> yep. 
Well, I think it's also that's very good to give that perspective too. To kind of it's all about setting expectations, right? In the business, it right? Is. Planning. Yep. So that's important that we do that. So I'm glad I'm glad you provided that update. And if you have any questions about specifically what's going on or, or something you're curious about, please feel free to reach out to Barbara and Phil. You can find them online at pathfinderwealth.com or you can call them directly at 815-399-9806. They've gotten a lot of feedback from the podcast, so they welcome your calls. If you're listening, no matter where you are and you have a question or you want to sit down and begin planning, whatever it is, they're happy to help you out with that. All right, let's talk about our main topic today, which is learning through uncommon sense. Now, we're going to go through four different statements. And at first glance, when you hear these, you're going to go, okay, these are pretty common sense. I'm pretty sure I agree with these. But when we look at the way people actually behave with their money, it seems that common sense, as I mentioned, actually is a little bit uncommon. So the first one on our list today to go through is buying low and selling high. I mean, I don't, I don't know if a person you're going to find that that's not their approach to investing. Hey, I want to buy the bottom. I want to sell the top. But <laughs> it's very, very difficult to execute that. You know, Ben and Barb, uh, we ought to put together a list of, of all the trite, folksy, culturally acceptable sayings we've heard throughout our lives. Um, just culturally to see, acceptable now. Yeah, yeah. Culturally <laughs> acceptable now. We won't bring up anything up that's not, but uh, just to see how well they are followed. And uh, most of the ones I came up with uh, have been from my parents over the years, such as, you know, don't take any wooden nickels. What does that mean? I'm not sure. That's a real old one. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, here's another one. My mother would tell me, stay out of bad neighborhoods. (laughs) Well, that's kind of hard to do now in the big cities, you know. Uh, Here's one. Don't talk to strangers. Okay, remain remain unfriendly if you want to, I I guess. But uh, the other one, okay, drive safely as opposed to don't drive safely. And I still say that. Do you really? Okay. To my daughter. To your daughter. Drive safely. Okay. I will, mom. So... (laughs) So I would, I would say that, you know, the buy low, sell high advice is legitimate. It's good common sense expression, expression as well. But of course, uh, who's going to disagree with this? Nobody wants to intentionally lose money, but, uh, but how closely is it really followed? And as it turns out, not very closely, not very well, uh, there's a company called Dalbar, which is an investment research organization that really examines not necessarily the investments, but investor behavior. Why do investors do what they do under certain conditions? And they found some interesting results. And so from the time period of 1985 through 2017, 32 years, they measured uh, in the latest survey, the investment results for the S&P 500, and which is an unmanaged investment. It's the top 500 companies in the US. And they found out that it average, get this, 11.35% per year. Now that's an index, of course. That's not what people get. They'll get somewhere less than that because- of fees and management and so forth and so on, but that's what the index pulled. But the average investor in equity funds during that period of time, during that 32-year period of time, averaged only, get this, Ben, 4.28%. That's it. Huh. So what does that mean in lost dollars? Okay, we talk about buying low and selling high. Well, if you invested $10,000 back in 1985, okay, the difference today would be how about $301,000? less. They could have gotten that. But in the same study, they found that the average holding period for an investor was only 4.03 years. So they're in and out, in and out, in and out. So the $301,000 difference is attributed to several things. You know, one of the biggest is buying high and selling low. They get in at the wrong time, they get it out at the wrong time. And the reason for this is that Wall Street and the financial media has the public convinced that they need to be traders versus long-term investors. In other words, in and out, in and out. Why? Well, they have an agenda. 
And as I've always said to my clients, Ben, that Wall Street will make money whenever there is money in motion, in and out, in mm-hmm. and out, trade, trade, trade. And so if they're in and out of stocks all the time, of course, Wall Street is making their money. They're happy. And if you happen to make uh, some money along the way, it's kind, of, it's kind of incidental to their entire purpose. Another fallacy is attempting to outperform the market. Investors buy the latest money magazine for their tips and research. They follow the hunches of other people. You know, I was speaking to an investor just yesterday. This is amazing. Who He owns 60 stocks in his portfolio. He's had them for several years. And when I shared with him that he lost 2% over the last year, Barb, as opposed to the S&P making 35%, he was floored. Sure. He was just shocked. He didn't realize how much he had lost. And so, you know, you talk about buying uh, high and selling low. He did. So the biggest reason people either lose money in the market or don't make all the money that the market offers is that they have no investment strategy. They have no plan. This investor I was speaking to, uh, he basically said, well, I just do things by the seat of my pants. If he hears about it, then he buys it. <laughs> yeah, if he hears that there's, you know, there's a hot issue going on, yes. So at Pathfinder, we know that if a client will follow us as their investor coach, and if they adopt the plan and they understand it, and if they continue with the plan, they will be able to buy low and sell high. That's the key right there. You the bet. plan. Now, uh, we get this question quite often. So should I be in the market now? The market seems high. It's, mm. Should I should I wait? And you know, the best time to be in the market is now. Every time it's now. Mm-hmm. If the market drops, if you just bought in, then you rebalance. But one of the areas that I thought about too, Phil, that um, that this does this is done correctly on a small scale is in rebalancing, which we do. Right. And there's an additional premium to the investor in doing so. But um, yeah, so that's uh, um, that's about the only time that I can see that it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's always the aim, but it's very difficult to accomplish uh, along the way. So keep that in mind. All right, next one on our list, common sense to not want to pay more in taxes than you actually have to. I mean, I don't think anyone voluntarily signs up to say, hey, take more out of my paycheck next month. Um, even if they do feel the government's very efficient with their money, they still don't want to pay more necessarily in taxes than they have to. But why do we end up doing that oftentimes? Well, they focus only on tax preparation instead of tax mm. planning. So they pay more in taxes because they're not aware of opportunities where they, they can pay less or possibly pay nothing at all. So do you think tax preparers will give proactive advice? They don't. Ooh. You know, it's rare. They're historians and they record what's already happened. So after tax day, April 15th, typically, they go on vacation. Yeah, it's like a six-month recovery period, I yeah. think. <laughs> <laughs> I know my daughter puts in probably 60 to 70 hours a week for a couple months because she works for a CPA firm. It's the old saying, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. There are ways to withdraw your money to save money on taxes in retirement that you couldn't do while you're working. So, for example, a couple comes in and they needed $50,000 in income. He said to take it all from his IRA account. Well, that was one option. In this case, he would have paid $2,300 in taxes. We looked at Social Security options, and we were able to give him income tax-free, plus additional money he withdrew from his IRA that they didn't need, and we used that for a Roth IRA conversion. When preparing to retire, see a retirement income specialist. Not all financial planners are. So if you have various sources of income in retirement, it's important to look at all of those sources of income. And uh, if you give us a call at uh, Pathfinder Wealth Management at 815-399-9806, or you could message us at pathfinderchat.com. 
But to recap, um, people don't know tax-saving opportunities are available to them if they're not told. And they also assume that any tax discussions are going to be with their tax preparer. But many people today are founding their own taxes because of the high standard deduction. So there's no way for them to know, which is why we teach a class called Taxes in Retirement. And that's a pretty well-attended class. Our next one will be, I think, the end of July. Well, not only are they not getting uh, tax advice really the way they should from their tax preparer person, Barb, but they don't even get it from their financial advisors often. And it's almost like anathema that their firms will not allow them or don't encourage them to give essential tax planning advice, planning opportunities that they're missing along the way that can cost their retiree clients thousands of dollars in retirement uh, income. And I, it just puzzles me. I don't know why, but uh, but that has to be part of the of the process of of uh, handling your money, doing the planning for income, and also uh, incorporating the the tax planning opportunities that we we see. Yeah, I think it's part of what we do, which is holistic planning. Absolutely, all areas, yeah, all areas. Yeah, that's why you choose a holistic planner so you can go through all these things and make sure all your bases are covered because tax planning is so much different than tax preparation. All right, let's talk diversification here for a second. Um, we all, I think everyone understands the importance of diversification, right? You don't want to put all of your eggs in one basket, but you know whether they're doing it on their own or for whatever the reason is, most people still don't do a very good job of having a truly diversified retirement plan. So why is that? Yeah, here's, here's another example of, of sage advice that everyone agrees with, but is very difficult to do. And probably the best way to help us understand this concept is number one, the to understand the importance of diversification, and number two, how to do it or how to avoid the problem by relating to you a true story. And this uh, happened back in the late 1990s. Ben, you were too young to remember this, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, but there was a phenomenon. <laughs> there's a phenomenon which just uh, happened to be uh, occur in this country and around the world called the technology or the dot com boom or bubble, if you mm-hmm. want to call it that. That's where the NASDAQ, which were technology stocks, gained uh, 41% per year until 2000. You know, everybody was making money in the, in the tech stock market. You know, teachers were quitting their jobs, becoming day traders. I mean, it was, it was phenomenal what was going on there. So a retired engineer, computer engineer, came by to ask me if, uh, if I had anything that could do better than what he was doing in his returns. You know, did I have any hot stocks that I could recommend? You know, he had in his portfolio, and I'll get this, he had $800,000 in his portfolio that a few years earlier, he'd started out with $200,000. So it went from $200,000 wow. to $800,000 uh, in this particular cycle. He said he was well diversified with over 100 technology companies. In one sector. Yeah, yeah. He about the, how about that? Was he really hmm. diversified? Well, it's, it's true that he had many companies, uh, but they were not risk diversified or diversified against the risk, right? It was in one particular area. So he asked for my advice. So I replied, you know, you, you've been very fortunate to this point. My advice is sell everything you have, sell those positions and set up a truly academically diversified portfolio where you own all the asset sectors, all the asset classes invest worldwide. Just don't stick one, with one sector. Well, his last words before he went out the door were, well, technology is the up and coming thing and we will always have it with us and it's going to get better as time goes on. Well, a few years later, I happened to see him at a local event and asked him uh, how he liked his retirement. How was it going? Uh, I didn't even think about his investment portfolio, but here's his response. This was just absolutely flooring. Uh, His response shocked me because he admitted that I had waited. He said, I waited too long to get out of the market and had lost nearly 80% of his retirement funds. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. 80%. Yeah. 
There was no way he could make back that loss during his lifetime. It was sad. So the idea behind proper diversification would have protected him against that huge market loss and also provided him with uh, consistent retirement income, which is what he was looking for. Uh, you know, he didn't want to shoot out the lights, but I think what happened was he just, uh, you know, success goes to our head. And we, we uh, at those times, we uh, were prone to all kinds of uh, danger. And our approach at Pathfinder is based upon what we call the time-tested financial science. And it's promoted by not some Wall Street guru out there, Barb, right? It was, but by Nobel laureates such as Dr. Harry Markowitz, uh, Eugene Fama, Kenneth French, and uh, Dr. Bill Sharp. How about that for name dropping, huh? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, their studies have set up a path for prudent evidence-based investing. Prudent evidence-based investing. No guesswork here. It's all based upon the evidence. Right. 70 plus years of research. Absolutely. You had mentioned a, a, a term to proper diversification. I think that's so true, Phil. The guy really technically was diversified because he had, you know, all those stocks. Right. But like we tell, like we tell our clients, it's the right kind of diversification, you know, dissimilar price movement that makes yep. for diversification. The other thing that I thought about with this is that others believe that if they have multiple advisors, they're they're diversified. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to have all my eggs in one basket with one so advisor. With, yeah. So and I'm we'll get I, them all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, when, when we've seen this, though, um, it can result in overlap, yep. additional risk to your portfolio, conflicting goals with your money. So that's not that really is not the answer. Yeah. Uh, any ship only has one captain. There you go. I mean, you've got to be pulling the same direction. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. All right. Let's go with one more on this topic. And it's this tie back into the market. This is one that we all, I think, all know about market timing. Well, it's virtually impossible to do, right? But I still think we all kind of we kind of chase that carrot that's dangling out there, right? I, I think I, I think I can go a little bit higher. Or I think you know I'll wait a little bit longer or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. We still try to time the market. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is true. And I think the the key term too, Ben, is emotion. Emotion is always the driver. Yeah. Uh, Phil and I are doing our this uh, talking about this, and I didn't realize he's actually talking about Dalbar too, because we quote them quite often. Mm -hmm. um, they analyze investors' behavior when for buying, selling, and switching in and out of funds. And we don't know in advance the worst days in the market, but when they are the worst days, they're also the best days for being in the market. Otherwise, you'd have missed the greatest returns. So according to Delbar, through December of 2020, uh, over the last 20 years, average inflation is 2%. And then Phil had given you information on, for over the last three, 30 years, what the average investor makes compared to just being in the S&P 500. Well, last year, I had one client get out of the market in spite of my attempts to save him from doing that. When I look at what, uh, at what he lost from the mm. outset of COVID in March of 2020 through March of this year, he would have had a 34% return yep. year over year. Mm. Instead, the money went to cash. Mm. So there were five days in 2020 that defined the year's journey. There will be one or two days, handful of days per year that it's, um, it's crucial you're in the stock market. So the first day was February 27th. The virus had devastated Wuhan and Wall Street calls it a bloodbath. So mm -hmm. do you think that would be time for people to get out of the market when they're giving that kind of fear, right? Wow, yes. March 16th, the Fed slashed rates to near zero. March 27th, the CARES Act was signed into law. Now, the fourth was August 18th. Apple tops $2 trillion in value, $2 wow. trillion, largest company. Uh, interesting, the five tech companies in the S&P 500 index, Facebook, Google, Apple, Amazon, and Microsoft were up 50% on the year as of November. 
compared to 12% for the remaining 500 companies. There's 505 in the S&P 500. Tech companies thrive from people, you know, sheltering in place, working mm-hmm. at home, buying, working. And the uh, fifth the day, the best day to be in the market last year was November 24th. The Dow hit 30,000. That was when Pfizer and Moderna came out with uh, to announce their vaccines. So the key here is that you needed to be in the market for that 34% return. And that was just based on a 50-50, a moderate portfolio mix. That guy that I had mentioned that had left and went to cash, he'll never recoup a 34% return like that again. No, uh-uh. Nope. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's important to remember no panic, no sell, no sell, no loss. You know, we all have in our nature, we have this insatiable desire to know what's going to happen tomorrow in, or, or the future. We want to be able to plan to offset the uncertainties of, of uh, the markets or our health or our job or whatever. It's impossible. But what we can do is we can look back to the past and we can learn from the past and say, hey, look, you know what? This too shall pass. And if we are patient about it and, um, you know, and we're all subject to panic, Barb, Barb, you know, I just, yep. uh, you and I, we have to, you know, we have our particular people we listen to that can encourage us to stick to plans, stay focused. And if we don't, you know, we're subject to uh, panic as well. So we need that help. We need a coach to help us guide us along the way. Yeah, you have to limit your access to that day-to-day news because it's funny. People look at day-to-day news for making uh, uh, changes in their portfolios, but we're looking at long-term plans for them, 30 years. Oh, yeah. So the day-to-dayness of the market doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah, having a good coach is going to be very important for everyone as they prepare for retirement, and that's why you two uh, work with clients all the time uh, over Pathfinder Wealth Management to help them get through these things and make sure they stick to these Common sense strategies that, as you see, our behavior often leads us away from these in many cases. So uh, while they they seem very, very, very easy to follow on the surface, Mm. it is very challenging indeed. Very difficult to implement, yeah. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you both uh, giving us some insight into this topic today. And and I encourage anyone that hasn't subscribed to the show or follow us on whatever podcasting app you choose to use, please do so. Uh, Let somebody else know about the show too that would love some more financial education. We hope to provide that every single episode. And we put every show online at pathfinderwealth.com. And you can call Barbara and Phil directly to talk about today's show, anything we discussed, or any other retirement planning needs that you have at 815-399-9806. Barbara and Phil, thanks for the time today. Look forward to talking to you again on the next show. Yes, thanks thanks, everyone for listening. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.